This is back to back. What's up, Back to Backers? This is Willie Joy. Welcome to the show. This is Back to Back. This is my podcast. How are you? We're back. How you feeling? How you doing? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing pretty good myself. Recording this on a Monday over the weekend. Played a little show in Charlottesville. Last night, I uh, had a really nice dinner with an old friend, then a bunch of meetings today. It's been a good balance of uh, life activities. And lest you think I'm uh, just rambling on about what I did over the weekend, this actually connects to my guest this week, uh, a person who has appeared on the show many times, one of my oldest friends in music, Flostradamus is here. Flostradamus is back on the podcast. He has done so many interesting, amazing, and varied things in his career and continues to do so. And a lot of the times when we talk off the podcast, just private conversations, it ends up being a lot about, you know, how do we stay excited and keep pushing while taking care of ourselves and enjoying the ride, which, as you all know, something I talk about a lot on here. And he's got a lot going on. He had a lot to tell me about not only about the Floss Project itself, but also he's making a lot of strides into the intersection of AI and music tech right now. Kurt Flosterdamus, Kurt, has a new company uh, called Ruben, and they've been making some major strides in the areas of voice and instrument cloning, song stemming, and building really exciting tools to help music producers And if you don't know what any of that means, don't worry. We're going to talk about the whole thing. But what's important right now is that his company, Ruben, has also made an app called Replay that is available right now for everyone for free. You can go download it. It comes with tons of different voice models that you can use in your own production. So let me give you an example. You've got a song, maybe you've got uh, a melody idea or some lyrics, but you don't have a singer. You can just yourself sing a demo into a microphone, put it into Replay, and with the many, many, many different voice models that Replay has, you can get your song, the one you just sung into a microphone, re-sung by any of these voice models. They have tons of famous singers, voices, actors, a lot of voices you know, probably some you don't, and immediately you are often cooking with a new voice, a professional voice on your song. You can also use Replay for a lot of other cool applications. Uh, you know, you can take a full song, you can stem it out with Replay, isolate an instrument. Maybe you want to sample a guitar sound or a synth sound, reuse that in some way, incorporate it into another project. Uh, The possibilities are really endless. We talk a lot about this, a lot more information in this conversation. All I'm saying right now, replay available right now. Go get it. I'm going to put some links in the description of this episode where you can go and do just that. Go follow Flostradamus. You'll hear me say it, but, you know, he's beyond being a good friend of mine. He's always an inspiration, always somebody who gets me excited to get back in there, do something cool, do something creative. And I think he's going to be that for you as well uh, in this conversation. Flostradamus also has brand new music on the way with Little John. And uh, he's going on tour with Yellow Claw as well. 
Trap Legends. So watch out for that too. I hope everybody out there is doing well. I hope you, the person hearing my voice, is is feeling good, feeling stoked about whatever you're working on for 2024. I'm thinking about everybody out there. I love you guys. Thank you for all the support. Keep it up. Turn a friend on to back to back, recommend a favorite episode, put up a post, send them a link, whatever you're doing. And I have been recording a lot of new episodes lately. We got some good ones on the way. So that's it. Enjoy this episode uh, with the one, the only, the legend, and my friend. This is me and Flostradamus. Back to back. Let's go. But dude, wait, what were we just saying? So you you were doing shows back uh, for the first time in a little bit. And that's, a, yeah, yeah the, you're completely right. That It's so funny. A thing you've done a million times can feel brand new or like kind of just if you're, if you get out of the rhythm of doing it, you know, mm-hmm. like it's the same. I've said this on the podcast before, but sometimes... Uh, I, I'm not the kind of person anymore who like ha- works on music every day. Like that's just not my practice anymore. Like I'll go in these like really concentrated chunks. So it'll be like yep. a month where I'm, you know, doing every single day, long hours, like iterating tons of ideas. And then I'll take like, you know, a couple weeks, maybe even a full month, like not a hundred percent off, but like, I won't touch it as much. And so it's these concentrated little bursts. And it's the same way when I sit back down to make music again. It's like the thing I've been doing all my life. I'm like, I have no idea. I've forgotten everything. So weird. Dude, I totally, totally, totally know what you mean. Uh, and the thing that I actually think is kind of cool about that is taking such a, a break in between, like you come back to Ableton or whatever, and it's actually like a new experience in a way. And you might... Let's say you always reach for this certain compressor or whatever you forget about. You might actually go for something different or whatever. Uh, I've been noticing that lately when I take these long breaks in between making music or whatever, I'll, I'll go and find new tools or old tools that I haven't even realized. Like I, I bought plugins forever ago that I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about this. This was on every one of my songs five years ago. And then now all these other things distracted me. So coming back and finding these new tools is like, or new old tools is like really inspiring. Dude, but yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, man. I, how were the how were the shows in general? I just we haven't talked in a little bit. Like, what yeah, you, bro, how yeah. was how was your New Year's? How was your holidays? What have the shows been like? Like, what's what's life look like right now? Man, so uh, well, life is good. I'll, I'll say that first and foremost. I'm I'm trying to do everything to make sure life is good in the sense of like how I perceive it, uh, and that's even if there's negative things that are happening, cause there always will be like, I'm trying to just like keep a, a positive mental attitude and just like be able to navigate it. So yeah, man, life is good. Uh, and, and that's then, a constant uh, process, uh, the, right? Oh bro. It's like it's full on monk energy. It's like, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to man. Like it's, it's crazy. The, there's always blessings and there's always like bad things that are happening simultaneously. Like there's like the six from at least for, in my perspective, the things that there's like always these extremes and sometimes the pendulum swinging or the scale is tipping either way where there's harder or not. But I don't know. There's like a, a saying that I'm going to butcher, but it's like, God only gives you what you can handle or something sure, like yeah, that. Yeah. And I feel like that happens often with me, whether that's good or bad. Like I get these like really huge spurts of good things happening, but then simultaneously there's like a lot of like hardships that have to happen. And it's like just being able to juggle both of those. Uh, 
but to your to your question about like New Year's and stuff, man, I haven't for real. I haven't talked to you in forever, especially like this. Like usually, and I usually you and I will catch up and do a yeah, call. Of and course, stuff, of so. course. Yeah, this is a little a little staged, I guess. But regardless, yeah. man, I'm always happy to talk to you. Familiar, bro. Like like seriously, like it's it's cool. Like there's like a little bit of like the formalness to this podcast, but I'm sure we'll get looser throughout. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is my, what, how many times have I done the podcast now? Four? Dude, I was trying to think it's gotta be, uh, especially if you count like those videos we made for Serato back in mm-hmm. the day too, yep. which I think we released on this podcast. Actually, maybe we didn't, I don't know, but it's gotta be like I, four times, five times, something like that. I think so. I, I know I popped in on four B's once as well. It was like a little pop in. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Wanna, we did the we did that. the mental health panel thing at Icon. Yes, dude, um, yes. This is actually kind of funny because this is all full circle. So I'm actually doing a talk at Icon on the 9th of February for uh, all this AI stuff I've been doing, oh, which sick. we'll probably touch. We'll touch in this, in this uh, little Zoom here, but... Uh, it's cool. I'm going back to them. And I, I was thought it, thinking about us too. Like, I was like, wow, that was forever ago, a different era. And, Dude, it, it's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. Different era. And that was so that I was so happy with how that went. I think you were too. Like, I remember we went out to eat afterwards and we we're just talking. It really felt like, yeah, I do look at that. I don't know if it really made waves like in the larger music scene or the dance music world or anything but it for me felt like a like a transition point of like okay these conversations like really are valuable to some people and all of us like artists who were there doing the talk in front of the students I think everyone kind of felt the same thing you know where it's just like oh like we all kind of needed that you know Mm -hmm. I I agree man and it was like I don't, do you remember, remember what year that was? Uh, it was probably like... 17 or... Yeah, probably yes, around 18? 2017. Whatever it was, it, it was pretty early to this, like, the, the current mental health trend that everyone's so uh, talking about now. Like, this, this post-pandemic mental health thing is just blown up so much more, which is amazing. There's so many of my friends and even people that are older that were afraid of like the term therapy or mental health or things like yeah. this. Like there was, it seems like everyone of the world collectively is like waking up if for lack of a better term. But for us to do that at that time in hindsight was pretty early on, especially in the EDM scene to like talk about this stuff openly and vulnerably. And uh, especially having people like me and Getter on the panel who are like the most, like we make like really turned up, like I don't know, music to like check out of like uh, right. a lot of the mental health stuff that's going on in a way. So I don't know. It was just a cool, a cool thing to have at that time. It was man. And I, I give you a lot of credit for it. Cause I mean, that wasn't just for people who might not be aware who are just hearing us talk about it for the first time. I mean, it was very much, uh, I felt a, a collaboration with you and me. I mean, it wasn't just something for this podcast. It was like, I think something we had talked about doing for a while, and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it was, it, you had a large part in it is my point. No, man, it was, it was dope. I love collaborating with you, man. Like there's always like outside of music and all these other things. It's just, it's cool. We've done some really unique experiences from, from gathering of the jugglers <laughs> together to, uh, to the Serato podcast, which was really unique too. And then even the, the mental health stuff, like, I, I don't know, there's more to come to I know. So oh, dude, yeah. A hundred percent, man. I also want to ask you. Uh, and this, maybe this can snap us back into just like a, a, a good story. There was some point, maybe before New Year's, 
where I I sent you a message on IG because you had posted a story of you like on a I think it was one of the EDM like cruise ships that had like yeah. a giant like water slide or something. I and I never actually got to ask you what was going on there, but it just looked insane. So I was curious <laughs> what that was. Yeah, yeah, it was called It's the Ship and it was over in Asia. It right. was actually it, it took off in Singapore. And uh it's been cool like this point of my career I've it's funny, I, I played Philly earlier this year and I was like, this is like the 20th time I've played Philadelphia, which is an amazing blessing thing to have in my career, like knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of cool. I'm starting to go over to Asia a lot more now and I get to explore all of these countries. And and when we talk about New Year's, I'll talk about that as well. But I've been just going to explore all of this. And the cool thing is I've done these rave cruises before too, but now I got to experience it over in Asia and these different places. And so... Yeah, that, that cruise was lit like they all are. I think there's something about this like floating casino of Vegas on on the water. Like as soon as you get into like international waters, it's just like people don't even care like right. what is going on. And it gets super ratchet uh, on those cruise ships. So. What was the what was the crowd like? Was it mostly an Asian crowd or was it super international? It was it was international, but mainly Asia international, and that's all the way to like India Asia as well. There was right. a lot of people from like all of the Asias there. It seems to get that whole region of the world. There were some Aussies, of course. They always come up. They wherever there's a party, there's an Australian that's for true. sure. There was a handful of them, so uh, they were up there as well. But it was it was mainly like uh, an Asian demographic. Do you notice? Because yeah. I remember when when Trap like first had the big explosion that you know you were obviously spearheading you know back in the day early 2010s era there was a period where all of a sudden like everyone in the trap scene first started getting booked in asia and i remember people talking about those shows of being like yeah it's really interesting like the music has a just a different meaning there's like less it's less rooted in the American context of like the roots of actual trap music. And, and I think some people, it was good and bad for people for different reasons. But when you go different places now, like out of North America, do you, do people react differently? Like how, how is the, the Flostradamus sound taken in an international context in 2023, 24? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a funny story I'll end this with, but I'll start off with, when it initially started, when we were going over there, I think just like, I mean, the EDM trap sound is based in just hip hop trap and that music is so high energy and lit and all of the descriptors for that. It's, it just has like a power to it. I think for the Asia culture, and this is just me generalizing, I don't know, but if for, for a, let's say at the time, like a Waka Flocka song talking about like serving crack and stuff like that, it doesn't translate over there. Like, I don't know if there's like much empathy over there. I don't know if there's serving crack in Asia, but, uh, I think the beats and the sound of what trap music is, is it still has the same energy over there. So for them, I think it was just like, a it maybe like felt more familiar and, Again, I'm just speaking for them. I have no idea. But here in the States, we had the hip hop trap, which influenced the EDM sound. Yeah. Over there, the things before us were the Afrojacks and things like that. So when this genre came along, it was they were coming at it through the EDM side, I think. Right. And we were in the States were coming at it through the hip hop side. And so the common ground was both of those genres are like being mashed up. But like we came at them from different perspectives, but both like dynamics of people got to experience it in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, through different avenues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, that, uh, of course, is true. And, you know, the big room house sound, I think, of course, it had such a huge impact on, like, the trap scene and 
and where the e- like EDM trap again, like where it went. You know, I'd mm-hmm. say like the big room house stuff maybe had an even bigger impact than the hip hop after a while. It's it's funny over in Asia, like the big room stuff never went away. I don't know if it's like a a, a product of oversaturation of dance music in like the Western culture. But they, or maybe there's like a pride over there. Again, I don't know the culture, but like, it feels like Hardwell and all those people that were like big here and that kind of faded out and big and up and down, like all of that big room stuff is still going off over there in ways. And I think that they just like hold on to something and like, it still will stay. It doesn't like do the die out cycles that happen here. Like, oh, this is popping, this is popping, this is popping. Like, I think that it can all exist over there, which is something I've noticed. It's like, you can coexist together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, man, again, I'm I'm so far out of my depth. So, you know, uh, Asian listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. But I feel yeah. like we're such a, like, we're American, right? And so we have the American attitude of like, all the stars are American, all the trends are American, and mm-hmm. we export our cool American trends to everybody else. And I think, you know, I, that's probably happening in Europe as well, to some extent that like my point here is that my perception of a lot of dance music in Asia was that there were less homegrown stars than there were, say, in America. And I, I do feel mm-hmm. like that's changing and has changed a lot in the last probably decade or so. Um, cause now you're seeing, yeah, tons and tons of incredible Asian producers who are probably already like always there, but just getting a little mm-hmm. bit more shine these days. But I do feel yeah. like for a while, for whatever reason, uh, yeah, it was like the, the American and European imports were like the hot thing there rather than like yeah. homegrown dance music. And that's maybe why it was stuck around a little more too is because like the trends at home weren't really like getting the the shine you know yeah and and maybe part of that those a lot of those new artists that are coming out of those regions it's like they got influenced by all of these like european and american artists now and just like i was influenced by cashmere in chicago to like make house music or something like it's i had this thing when i was in my youth that i listened to and then by the time i was like to the point of making music then i took that influence and put it in my music and it seems like that's happening in those regions it's like a lot of this stuff was over there uh seeding some of the culture but then they took it and put their own twist on it i actually heard in thailand there is a resurgence of like the dutch house sound okay and they're calling it like they're calling it tuk tuk which is, uh, or something like that. It's something like, because those little cars that the they have, cabs, little, like scooters, right? yeah. those will be blasting like just like big room house and Dutch house all the time. So the young kids that don't know about the era of Afrojack and stuff like that, of the music that's being played on the tuk-tuks are listening to the tuk-tuk music. And like, this shit's fucking ridiculous. Like it was like the, the, the sandstorm of our time or the better off alone of right. our time. Like we heard that and it was like corny when it first came out. But now that it's like it came back through culture again and got rinsed again, it actually became like ironically cool. And it seems like that's what they're doing with a lot of this Dutch house sound over there. They actually are creating a subgenre called Tuk Tuk, which is these young kids that are like super young creating this new Dutch house sound based on what they hear in the Tuk Tuk. It's kind of cool. uh, That's so cool, man. Because then that's exciting to me because then, you know, they're going to do something really unexpected with it. And they're going to because they don't, you know, they don't know the like all the baggage that that sound has. Right. So they can approach it with fresh yeah. ears, fresh eyes and just be like, hey, this shit is cool. And then they'll make their version of it, which will be totally unexpected. And 
I don't know, man. That's another reason why I love dance music. It's just like that could happen anytime. Oh yeah. It's uh, constantly like evolving on itself and like growing and like, it's like a, yeah, I, I just love that. Like about dance music, it's always been that like ever since the, since house music and then house music turned into techno and then techno turned into like, you know, blah, 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 blah from there. So it's, yeah. it's cool. Well, let me, okay. I, I want, I'll put a pin in this cause I want to come back to new year's and to the, the rave cruise for a second, but you just said something that reminded me, I think this is maybe a good way to talk about your AI stuff for a minute. Because mm -hmm. I was thinking about this earlier today, and I, maybe we can start here, is that I find what you're doing with AI, which again, we're about to talk about, it very impressive because there's like this entrepreneurial spirit that you have that I've we've talked about it before. It's something I've always been impressed with. But I wanted to talk to you about the idea of, and similar maybe to the kids in Thailand, like just jumping on Dutch house with sort of no prior knowledge. Like, I don't think I have that same thing of seeing something, knowing very little about it to start and jumping in so deep to the point where now you have multiple companies, you know, involved in this like music AI tech space. And, you know, obviously these are things you've always been interested in, but like, I, I don't think I've ever actually asked you about the entrepreneurial side, which it goes beyond risk taking. And I think is more about, at least in my mind, like a, I don't know, like a, a curiosity or maybe a, like a defeating fear kind of thing. Like what is, have you thought about that for yourself? Like what it is that allows you to sort of stroll into an area that you don't know that much about and, become so established in it i guess uh well thank you for that as well and I, I think there's a lot of like things that we've talked about this uh in this already in this chat that are very similar to who i am and first off you know me and i'm always like just trying to find cool new plugins and technology and things like that so i'm like in the trenches just digging all the time and one of the things I also do to what you said so kindly is like, I'm a friend and I like to share things. Like I'm not a gatekeeper in a sense. Yeah. So I, part of it is just my like sense of discovery. I want to find new genres. I want to find new plugins. I want to find new tools. I want to find things that can get me into that flow state we talked about so much easier. And then when I find this thing, I'm like, bro, you got to check this out. Holy shit. Like, look at this cool thing. And there's, there's two parts of it. One is lightly self-serving. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out these things to make myself better, but I'm also trying to share these things. Cause I have like this give a penny, take a penny mentality with a lot of this stuff. I could share this like AI voice thing with you. And you're like, well, you're into AI, check out this thing. And I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. And I just do that in general with people to the point of, it, I realize I'm so early on in these things, whether it's NFTs or these things, the or the AI stuff or whatever. I'm so early in these places that there's no, pro there's a lot of problems to be solved. And then I start to solve those problems. And the one thing that I haven't done that much in this space of, of solving people's problems is just trying to find ways to monetize it and turn it into businesses. And this is the first time I'm I'm kind of like really kind of leaning into that in a way. And even the business side of what I'm doing isn't 
like just full on capitalism. Like I want to make a, a huge bag. It's more of just like, okay, well, I know these skills. I've worked my my butt off to figure these out and I've solved these problems. Maybe we can turn these into products for the masses to be used. And then there can be like some sort of exchange of uh, whatever resources in that sense. So yeah. that's kind of what it, I think that's the way I approach it. If I'm just thinking out loud about how yeah, I no, approach that, that actually makes, makes sense to me. And I, I think as you were saying it too, I realized you know, there's plenty of examples of, say, a producer in our scene who happens to make a plug in that solves some mm-hmm. issue they've been having. And then, yeah, maybe they'll put it up on, uh, you know, Gumroad or something and make it available yeah. to other producers, which is great. But it's very it's still kind of a cottage industry kind of thing. I, I guess before we talk more about it, let's go ahead and like define these companies. So. Ruben was kind of the the overarching company that holds all of these other ideas, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in 2022, yeah, it was 22 is kind of when the I, the ideas of what Ruben were started. So <laughs> I was uh, I heard a little bit of bubbling around the the internet about this like voice cloning and people were able to do voice cloning and. I started to just touch into it because I always wanted to do that. I wanted to have in my DJ sets, like what's up Tampa in my set, but it's like little John's voice or something like that. Like I was like, well, how can I use this technology that's out there? And there were services out there. You could like type text and it would do it, but it just didn't sound good. And I started hearing about the voice to voice stuff. And I stumbled across a 4chan board for my little pony. (laughs) And in this 4chan board, all of these people were trying to clone the My Little Pony cartoon and redo the voices and then make their own versions of My Little Pony. And they were using this technology called Diff Singer and Diff Singer was on GitHub. And GitHub is pretty much, for the music producers out there, it's like the, the SoundCloud of, uh, of like tech and coding. And on there, there's a bunch of people that just like upload their code and like, I'm making this thing and you can use it. You can try it out. You can iterate on it. It's almost like early splice where someone would upload a session and then you could like download their session and iterate on it. Right. And so that's, that's what GitHub is. And I found this diff singer thing on there. And then we ended up cloning a voice and showing it to Diplo, uh, our friend boss, who's uh, one of Diplo's producers and stuff. He, he actually cloned like a Justin Bieber voice. And then he remade a Justin Bieber song and we pitched that to Diplo. He loved the idea. And then we just kind of snowballed with that. Like, what could we do with this Rupin company? Like, well, let's make it a services company. And what the services were, we, we translated Major Lazer's song Lean On into multiple languages. All right, cool. Now you can do with this AI technology, you can now translate different languages. And then we're like, what else can we do? And so anyway, it, it went on from there. That was like the Ruben uh, like services industry. And we can touch on more of that more. Well, uh, yeah. And let me forward. just before we go any deeper too, for people, because I feel like you're very deep in this. I'm like a little deep in this, but I think probably some people listening don't have any context for this. So just very yeah. quickly, the voice cloning in general, can you mm-hmm. very quickly just say what that is for anybody who doesn't know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, with what we're doing at Ruben with voice cloning is we take like 10 to 30 minutes of someone's voice and then we make an AI model on that. And so there's technology out there that can analyze what that voice sounds like and pretty much make like a fingerprint of what that voice sounds like. And then if I, let's say, take Willie's voice, I make an AI model of it, then I can use my voice to then talk in Willie's voice, if that's a, if that's what we want to do. Right. So that's kind of what it is. That's at least that's what Ruben was initially. It was a way to take 
other voices, make a fingerprint of them. And then now we can use that voice in multiple genres and in different languages and things like that. And that was part of the the initial idea, or at least one of the first things you figured out you could do, right? Like talking about using like a, a clone Justin Bieber voice, you know, you can make demos to like show this is what this person could sound like on this song, right? Like that's... I think I was yeah, reading something I, in what you sent me that that was one of the early uh, like ideas yeah, yeah, for the company. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So that's what it was. It was like initially for the the stuff with Diplo is like, well, he had this song with a songwriter that had vocals on it, and that songwriter, you know, doesn't sound that much like Justin Bieber, but he had to pitch this song to Justin Bieber's team, his A and Rs, and the people that get to choose that, and then so we put the clone of Justin Bieber's vo- vocal fingerprint over that demo singer. And let's say there was five of those. Let's say we had five of those demos and we pitched all five of those to his team with the Justin Bieber fingerprint on it. They can get an idea of what that might sound like. And let's say they choose two of those. Then we have three other demos that are are usually sitting on hard drives. There's so many demos that are being unused in the music industry. What we could then do is then now put Ariana Grande's voice over that, let's say. And then now we have three new demos we can pitch Ariana Grande's team. And so it's a way to actually take like these unused demos show them to the ANRs how this would sound as a final product or close enough to a final product, a a really good rough draft, if you will. And then hopefully a lot of these demos can now be purchased and, and, you know, they can go out there and the technology has gotten so good now that we could even release those AI demos, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was playing around with, maybe there's a good way to talk about replay as well. Cause I was playing around with that this morning. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it sounds so good. It's just crazy how good some of those voice models sound. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll segue into replay. So then what I realized is like my, what I like to do, like I said earlier, is like just share what I've been working on. And so I realized a lot of the ways to do this voice cloning was just so hard. Like this is, we're starting to get into early 2023 now. And the only ways you could do it is like, you either have to have a superpowered GPU, a superpowered PC, couldn't even do it on Mac. And then you had either had to do it through these cloud services like uh, Google Collab, which is this weird thing. You have to know Python code, or there's a bunch of other cloud services. It was really hard to do that. There wasn't these like one click solutions. So what I did is I started to kind of like mash together with my little bit of coding experience that I learned in school. Like I have a coding degree that I learned that I got back in 2004. So it's yeah. over a decade or two decades old. Uh, but I, I kind of mashed together these little websites uh, through this free service called Hugging Face. And you can just do, it's pretty much a place you can host your AI code. And so I made that. And a lot of my friends were using that, but it just still wasn't like the best tool. And also us musicians were using our DAW, we're using Ableton or Fruity Loops or whatever. So like it, uh, we wanted to make something you just drag back and forth between the two. So anyway, throughout all of last year, I started like looking around. I was on GitHub a bunch looking for different things. And I actually stumbled across uh, the, the guys that made Replay five days into them making this app. And this is exactly what we wanted to do. And the funny thing is, this is the, the universe or whatever, which we can go even deeper on that. But right. that previous week, I was at Burning Man with my friend Luca and I was staying with them. And I get back to LA and I got back into the Ruben side of things and I was looking on GitHub and I find these guys that pretty much made this like desktop version of what I wanted to make. And I was like, I wonder who these people are. And I looked at them and they were, they were friends with my friend Luca, who I was just at Burning Man with the week prior. And I was like, that's weird. And I so I texted Luca. I was like, do you know these people? He's like, oh, that was my roommate for years. And so he linked us up. 
super randomly out of all the people on the internet and the people that are doing this like voice cloning stuff, these are like one degree of separation away from me. And so they linked us up. I talked to them. I was like, what are your goals? They, they were just like, we just made this. They saw the same thing I saw. There wasn't any solutions out there to do this on your desktop. And so we teamed up and then we like actually refined what they had built and like kind of created this new version of what replay is. And then the next iteration that we're about to launch will have, it'll work on your DAW, it'll work in Ableton, it'll work like that. So it's like going to be in the environment that people are creating music. And one last nerd thing, and I'll stop ranting. No, no. The one thing I noticed with the AI image side of things, all of my graphic designer friends, I was like, you guys need to get into this AI image stuff. Get into this, get into this. And everyone is avoiding it. They're so scared of it. They're afraid, they're afraid. I was like, try mid-journey, try these tools. Mid-journey was hard. You had to be in like uh, into Discord and you had to figure out all these. It was like really hard for just the graphic designer to participate in AI images. And the thing that changed for everyone is as soon as they added AI to Photoshop, all of my designer friends that use Illustrator, Photoshop, any of the Adobe products that now have AI, they love it. It's just made their workflow so much faster. And that's what we're trying to do with Replay. We're trying to take all of those tools, put them in the environment where everyone is, into Ableton or whatever, and then they can do these use these AI tools into their creative process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much Replay. Uh, I mean, that's amazing, man. And I want to kind of in the same way that we broke down voice cloning a second ago, can you, for somebody who, yeah, hasn't played with any of these tools, hasn't approached it for whatever reason yet, can, like... Can you give a, just a couple sort of basic examples of what a producer can do with replay in a DAW? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the weird use of it, I mean, there's so many wild uses of it, but the one weird use, which is kind of cool, is you can actually clone instruments. So you can even like use a flute or a, or a saxophone or things like that, and you can even whistle your melody or hum your melody, and it'll actually turn it into that instrument, which is kind of cool. I cloned a bunch of like dubstep growls and things like that just to try. Like I, I had like exported a bunch of sounds out of Serum just to see if I could then control it with my voice. And you get really cool results. And I was talking to my friend the other day about uh, where AI is now with music. And we'll, we'll talk into more of the cool new tools that are out there. But uh, they were a little upset at like the quality of what it sounds like right now. But I had brought up like, I remember when Daft Punk put out a bunch of their stuff, they were making that music on these like really low quality samplers and stuff, but it actually gave this cool grit to it. Like music sounds better with you by star, but Stardust has like a really cool grit on the guitar, yeah. the Shaka Khan guitar. But that's because of like the, the poor quality of the sample at that time. And I think that's the same with like what this stuff is like, it's in this weird state where it has like this weird tinge to it. And let me uh, let me go back to finishing your question. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The cool thing with what Replay does is, if I I have a male voice, my voice is very raspy and deep. But let's say I'm working on like a, a house song and I want to add like more of a female vocal or like a, I have this idea of what I want. I can even sing that into Replay and I can even choose a female vocal model. And now I will have a female vocal feature on my song. Even if that's just little backup vocals with Replay, you can actually do that. You can actually convert male to female and it doesn't sound like chipmunk transposition that normal right. Ableton stuff does. Uh and then, of course, there, there's so many other cool uses of what this is. Like, we, we have stem separation built into it as well. So let's say you find a sample and you, you need just the vocal from it. You can actually remove that, and then you can change that to another vocal. 
there's so many other like cool little tools, which I love like putting this out there that people are going to do really cool new things with it. They're going to create new genres. And just like when auto-tune came out, people kind of hated on it. It sounded robotic, but then like everyone uses it on everything now, even bands are using auto-tune. So I feel like that can be what replay is in the future. It's just, it needs to get in the right hands for people using this tool that we've created creatively. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'm, the stem separation, like in the DAW, I think is is a huge thing too. That's something very few people are doing right now. And I think that'll save mm-hmm. so much time and make creativity so much faster. And maybe that, yeah. like the idea of, we don't even know what people are going to do with it yet. The possibilities are endless kind of thing. Maybe that's a good way to talk about weights and the community aspect. Yeah, yeah. And so what weights is, again, there was another problem we realized is a lot of this AI voice cloning stuff was just scattered all over the internet. It was on random Discord forums. There'd be people on one Discord forum that's a Spanish-speaking one that make a bunch of Spanish-speaking models and just random other models. And then there's another one that has certain other models. Plus, some of these discords were getting taken down by the Recording Association of America. It just was a lot of, like, just everything was falling all over the place. And we realized there wasn't any website that just had all of these models curated. And so what we did is we pretty much became the Napster of AI voice cloning, and we took all of these models and we put them into a centralized hub just like Napster did back in the day, take all of these MP3s and put them in a centralized hub that anyone can access it. Yeah, And that's what we did with Weights. And one of the things, though, that we're learning from Napster and why we did part of what Weights is, is, yeah, we have this hub where you can get all of the AI voice cloning needs met. Whatever model you want, whatever style, you can get that. But we're adding a new feature to this where there will be like exclusive, like official models that you can get. So approved through us, through the artists, you can actually get these official models through weights that are actually ones you can use in our app replay or on our website on weights, which is just like a, a hub for all of the AI models. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, that's bringing uh, a bit of the ethical angle into, which I wanted to ask you about too, because yeah. it's, yeah, such a, it is such a wild west time, which I think is always incredible for creativity and exciting, but then also it's, yeah. It's good to see. And there's, I think, it, you and a few other people really looking at, you know, taking care of the artists in all of this. And yeah. I don't know, man, I, anything you want to say about that, I'd love to hear because I think that's it's nice that anyone is paying attention to it this time around because I am I did not feel like they were in past like explosions of technology. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I think that there's we've learned from our past as part of it. but. The, the cool thing is that there's a lot uh, easier ways to track everything now. So even on weights, we have a tracking, uh, we have tracking in it that we built this like audio, for lack of a better term, there's a QR code that plays every 10th of a second, pretty much there's an audio QR code on anything generated at weights. And what that'll do is it can track everything from royalties, let's say you have ASCAP, BMI, things like that. It can say who generated it. It can say what model was used. It can say what pitch was used in the model. So there's a lot of different things that can now be tracked. And like, I think that's one of the cool things about this era is like, we can actually track every little bit of this and then it can go back to the original source. We're all trying to figure this out right now because currently today, while I'm talking to you, there is no law in place for AI voice cloning. Yeah. There is nothing in there. You can, there's laws in place for sampling. Like if I go sample the new Drake record and, and make it and put it out, I can't really put that out. I'll put it out, but get cease and desist and takedowns yeah. and all of that. But if I go use the AI voice model of Drake and I make a song, and I don't say it's Drake, because if I start saying it's Drake, it's going to be his likeness and his, uh, you know, all of his IP that's there. But if I put out a song that sounds just like Drake today on a Flosterdama song, 
it's today it is fully legal for me to do that if I don't use any of his likeness or his branding. So we're going to figure out a lot of this and I'm working with a bunch of people. The cool thing is the film industry has been doing this for a while. They, they clone James Earl Jones voice. They've been doing a lot of things where they've like set practices and standards in what AI voice cloning is. And I'm working with this company called morpheme.ai and they do a lot of voice cloning and they've been doing it for four years in the AI um, uh, voice acting space. Right. And so we're trying to bring over those people and those lawyers into our fold and like, let's try to figure out some new standards with this. And I think me personally, I actually see this. I don't think it's such going to be such a black and white future with this. I think there's going to be artists who are fully open to using their voice AI. Like, go use my voice, do whatever you want with it. Then there's going to be the artists like, don't even touch my likeness. I don't want that. And then there's going to be estates of dead artists that want to make money. There's there's going to be so many different angles from what this can be. I don't think there's going to be a single solution. And that's what I'm trying to build in this space. Like I'm trying to learn with the space and work with the artist and try to build something that's like, if you choose path A and someone else chooses path B and C, like there's different tiers of how this can be monetized, how it can be distributed, how it can be tracked. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with all of this. Like try to hit different angles of what it is and support what the creator wants with their voice is the main thing. Dude, that yeah, doing. that's, I mean, it's just giving artists the choice, right? I think that's sort of the the fundamental uh, part of this that is is very needed. While you were saying that, talking about like some artists want to like, yeah, do whatever with my voice. I thought of, uh, because you had sent me that deck with uh, Smokey Robinson, in it mm -hmm. and he seems like yeah. I'd, I'd love for you to tell the story of like what how you guys worked with Smokey robinson but he really does seem like somebody who is just like oh yeah do whatever you know it's like he seems very happy that anyone is interested and anyone wants to do anything i i saw uh you know wookie sampled him for um some one of wookie's most recent records i forget which one and they they got Smokey Robinson to make a little video of him like listening to the Wookiee oh, remix. And it was it was just one of those funny things like, you know, it's a little like stilted because he's like an old and kind of awkward and was just like, what is this? But he was just like, oh, this is very nice. And he's like, I encourage everyone to make remixes of my voice. You know, it's just like a fun. He, he just seems like a guy who's like down for whatever. It seemed like a, a cool link up. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think that's the thing with a lot of this AI rights stuff for just rights in general. Like some artists are cool with whatever, like reinterpret their stuff, do it over. Like who knows? Like there, some artists even release the stems and stuff to their music. Like there isn't just one cookie cutter lane for what it means to be an artist and with all of this. And I, I'm afraid with once all of these laws come in and clamp down things, and that's why I'm trying to be like working with the lawmakers in this space, but I'm afraid that it's going to clamp down so much that someone is open to Smokey Robinson uh, will not, he'll be hindered by this when he's fully open and he's publicly open about it. And so that's hopefully we can like find a way that there's like different uh, ways to cut this cake. Yeah. To your question, how we got working with him. Uh, we're actually working with another uh, deceased artist estate, but the people that represent that estate represent Smokey Robinson's estate as well. And he's actually currently working on a whole new album uh, with a bunch of modern producers. So again, he's just forward thinking. He's trying to do cool new things. And the one thing about, sadly, about his voice, it doesn't sound like Smokey Robinson that made him as popular as we know. If he sings now, it's, you know, his voice is weathered. He's old. So what we're doing is actually cloning his voice from the era that he was peak at with a lot of the hits that he has. And with these new producers, we're actually making brand new songs with 
Smokey Robinson's vocal fingerprint, even though he is the one who's performing on top of it. So he's singing these songs himself. And now we're actually taking his original voice, vocal fingerprint, like I was mentioning before, and overlaying it over his current voice. And now it sounds like the Smokey Robinson of yesteryear, that's, which is kind of cool. That's interesting. Is there a way to to tune it? Because, I mean, that almost sounds like the same idea behind auto-tune. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to tune it so it's like you're getting some of his live performance and some of the AI voice print? Yeah, yeah, you could do both. Yeah, you could blend blend between the two. And speaking of blending in, in replay as well, our app, we have ways you can blend multiple models. So you could actually mix Smokey Robinson with Notorious B.I.G. and create like a whole new model. But you can also blend, like you said, his old voice with his new voice and, and kind of find a new middle ground. I would even think it'd be cool. And I'm not a part of the production process of the music, but, but I, I want to pitch to them a way to uh, that we could have Smokey Robinson 2024 do a duet with Smokey Robinson 1964 or whatever. You know, like there can be a way to like actually do the back and forth between the two, which would be kind of cool. Oh, that's interesting, too. Have you seen uh, Have you seen the Smokey Robinson uh, Hanukkah video? By the way, no. <laughs> he was on. It's, it's like my favorite video of the last few years. He he's on Cameo, and someone yeah. like, bought a Cameo from him um, to. I think it was like wishing their sister happy Hanukkah or something like that, and he like. You know, it's like the classic, like old person. He's like reading off the script or whatever. And he's like, hello, your friend Deborah wanted to let you know that, well, she says that you're a big fan of my music and that you used to live in uh, Detroit, like near where I used to live. And he goes on this like kind of rambling thing. And then the very end of it, he's like, oh, and also she wanted me to wish you a happy Chinooka. I don't know what Chinooka <laughs> is, but happy Chinooka. <laughs> that's amazing. It's so good. It's like, it's, and he's like, he's so happy and positive throughout. It's just like one of those. Yeah. It just makes me happy, oh, man. I'll send it to I you. It. <laughs> it's just oh, like I love it. his, his whole life, everything he's done, never learned about Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so oh. good. <laughs> Oh man. Smokey Shabinson. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh man. Wow. Um, well, dude, is there anything else we should say? And for anybody listening who wants more information about the AI stuff, you know, we'll put all the links in the description of this. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody where to go. Is there any other detail, nuance that we missed about what you're doing with it or stuff you're working on now that people should look out for? Yeah, yeah. So lastly, I'll, I'll talk about this other company I've been working with for a little over a year. When I first met up with them, they weren't called Suno, but now they're called Suno. And they are probably at the forefront of what the future of AI music will be. And it's so amazing. So there's you can put lyrics in, you can type your own lyrics and put it in there and generate a full song with lyrics uh, in any genre you choose. So you could say a dubstep song about a podcast with Willie Joy. Uh, and you can even just put it in as a prompt like that. Right. And it'll create a, dub, a full dubstep song, like talking about this stuff. Uh, but you could also put your own lyrics in and it'll actually write a song around your lyrics, which is really cool. And there's a lot of cool ways to hack this too. You can even... Uh, you can even put just like uh, punctuation in and it'll create instrumentals. Or you can even like ask it to do like a vocal version. 
there's like a lot of cool ways to use this technology. And uh, for any of the listeners that ever use any of the image generation AI, it's a it's kind of like the early forms of that. And I think when you use those early ones, you might type in whatever, like a, a bird in the forest, and it and it takes like six different times to get it to look like what you imagined it to be. That's the same with this uh, the music generation. It's still at its early primitive stages. It still sounds a little like muffly and, and distorted. Yeah. But again, this is the worst the technology will ever be is today. And for the people that can use this to their advantage, I think it'll like actually set them ahead of the pack. And I even just like want to give like a suggestion, like if you, let's say you make disco house or something like what a lot of the disco house or the French house is, is they sample old disco records. So what I would do if I were to make like a disco house song back in the day, I would go to the record shop. I'd dig through a bunch of disco songs. I'd listen to 12 songs on an EP, maybe find one. Then I'll take that one and sample it. I feel like that's a lot of what this is now. Like if I, if I want, I can go into Suno and say a disco song about a podcast with Willie Joy and then and generate 12 different ones. Like I was looking through a record and maybe I have one in there that has a, a really cool sample in it and it's almost like digging for samples but curated to the subject matter you want and another cool thing with things like replay what we do with suno is we actually can take that thing that was generated from suno put it into replay and now we can stem separate it so we can take just the vocals out and then let's say i make a dubstep song i could take that vocal from suno and put it in as is or i could put another one of the replay vocals on top of it i could put like the flow dan model on top of that thing i generated and now i have like a flow dan sounding vocal on my demo that i created with lyrics that i created myself so again to kind of wrap all of this up i think there's a lot of cool uh, uses of this technology, keeping us in that flow state. It's a, it, it just been super inspiring for me. And it's just like keeping me cranking out music. I always hit a wall when it came to lyrics and it came to vocals. And now I have a tool that can generate all these cool little vocals and samples for me that are specifically curated for me on what I'm asking. It. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so cool, man. And it, it's one of those things where hearing you talk about it, I mean, I, I gets me stoked, but it also makes me realize that pretty soon probably somebody's going to use these tools maybe the tools that you're making to to really do something crazy and it's like it's a hundred percent guarantee that someone is going to do something that is going to sort of change the paradigm and it's just a question yep. of who and and when and that is that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with like the Thai. uh tuck tuck dutch house stuff too where it's just like mm -hmm. i couldn't have predicted that but i that sounds great i want to hear that you know yeah and taking it to that thing like the reason why the thai tuk tuk stuff landed is culture got to a point where it was in that tuk tuk and then the, the kids that were in that place like borrowed from that culture and iterated on it yeah. and i think that's a similar thing with this like it's all of this is getting to a, a spearhead to a spot where it's like accessible and maybe there that some kid some person will take that and just do something really unique with it and create a genre of music i'm excited to hear what like ai house is or something like that there's going to be subgenres made with these tools now uh just like how autotune kind of created a sound and like i said earlier it's i'm excited to see what that is and for me one thing i like to do with a lot of these things like even with this edm trap or whatever is like I love to be able to like have my little ripple in what culture is. And the cool thing with these tools, I'm trying to do that with this. Like I'm creating this tool that will hopefully ripple out into culture yeah. and like, and then that will affect culture even deeper. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's cool that you can kind of be on both sides of it. Like I was talking to someone, this is random, but I was talking to someone the other day who works at Sirius XM, but they work on sort of the internal, not public facing side of Sirius. So, you know, they're like collecting and licensing and like all of these record label catalogs that then all of their channels will use to broadcast out and curate, you know, channels and programs for people. And he was sort of saying, he was like, I love this because I'm like me and my department were like the the table legs that the rest of the company stands on that then people, you know, build out their whole home standing on top of basically. And for you now, I mean, that's kind of, you know, you've been both at this point, which is kind of a cool perspective. Yeah, I, I think that I've at this point of my career, whatever, it's I don't the dude jumping around on stage is, is fun and all, but I'm in my early forties. It's at some point it's, it's not going to sustain for who I am with my body and my age and all of that, that I'm okay to move from literally standing on the table to being the table. Legs. <laughs> right, right. I think that's, that's the, so to, to tie the metaphor back. <laughs> How did I not see that? Coming? I was on top of the EDM table, but I'm coming back down to the legs and I'm okay with that. Like uh, I, I have, there's a new, like, there's a couple of these young up and coming kids that are like crushing it here in LA and in San Diego and stuff. And they hit me up the other day and they're using a lot of these tools that I'm doing and they're crushing it. And they're showing me the stuff that they're doing with this. And they even talked to me about my influence as an EDM trap artist into their career. And it's just so cool to hear that stuff. And that as many streams as I get or Instagram likes or whatever, those single person to person text messages that I get or things like that. Those mean the world to me. And that's kind of why I do this stuff. And that's why I build these tools. And that's that ripple I've caused to like, hopefully affect culture, seeing them win and seeing them use these tools and seeing them do all these crazy things is just so amazing that I had like a little teeny bit of a seed in what they do. And like, I just, I don't know, I stand back and watch that and just love it. It's such a cool thing. I mean, that's real legacy, right? Like outside, if I'm still, I go back and forth all the time if I think legacy even matters. But if it does, I think that's the real legacy that anyone should aspire to. It's not like my name will be remembered or like people will be thinking about me after I'm gone, but that you had an effect on the way things went, you know, and that the way things go in the future will be in some way related to a thing you did back then. You know, like to me, that's sort of, I don't know. I'm not saying it eloquently, but that's sort of the only thing that, that makes sense to me as far as legacy. And sadly, a lot of people that become these legacy artists, a lot of them don't get to experience that in their lifetime. Like they pass away and then their legacy like lives on, which is great. But I, I'm blessed that I get to like at least experience the tangibility of what that legacy might be doing in a way. So yeah, a hundred percent, man. Well, is there is, is there anything about the current state of Flostradamus that uh, that we should talk about? Like. Because I know you're all you're working on all of this in tandem, like it's all happening at the same time. What's going on with with Floss and with music and tours and all that? And yes, so so speaking of legacy, that's kind of like the the motive of of twenty twenty three and twenty four of Flosses and. It's funny, I've been leaning heavy on the legacy side, but also the future side. Like I'm I'm one of my goals is to make this whole Flustered Amos project like an AI entity. 
But at the same time, I'm doing a lot of this legacy stuff. So uh, we're doing a tour with Yellow Claw, like doing a full on like Trap Legends uh, tour together. Uh, that's starting in uh, in May, so that'll be in like the spring. And uh, we have a, we have a bunch of dates lined up at bigger venues, and it's going to be cool. We're we're taking it back to kind of that old school trap sound that started a lot of this stuff, and it's kind of cool for the both of us. We get to just explore that that era. I think for the longest time, at least I know my side of this, I, I kept trying to keep up with the Joneses and, and and what EDM and trap were. And my sound might have went a little more dubstep for a while, like like more hybrid trap or whatever. But it's cool going back to this old stuff and just like kind of going back to the primitive what it felt like to do a lot of this and like hear those songs and, uh, and how minimal they were. So that, that's kind of the main thing. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, no, the only thing I was going to say is like hearing you talk about it. I've talked to a couple of the like very early dubstep people lately. And it's, it's funny how many parallels there are. Cause if you go back and you listen to like very early trap Blasterdamas songs, like you said, very minimal, not super aggressive, uh, you know, and, and just very, very groovy, very vibey, very hip hop influenced. And it's sort of the same with the very early dubstep stuff. Like you go back and you listen to that. Like I, do you know, scuba, uh, he's like one of the very, very, very early dubstep guys. He runs a uh, hot flush, which was like one of the first labels to put out some big dubstep records back in the day. But I was talking to him and I, I went back and listened to his catalog and I was like, I hope you don't get offended by me saying this, but like all of your early songs, all of this like really influential dubstep, it's so simple. I couldn't believe how simple it was. And he mm-hmm. was like, no, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. He was like, there was very little going on. That's kind of why it was cool. You know? It it seems like a lot of genres that get birthed, they always are at their simplest form early on. Like like going back to like uh, I don't know like who's a new hot artist like Hamdi or something like the sound that he has, bro. There's like I don't even think there's buildups to his right. his songs and the the drops are very simple and very like just well uh, the choices are well uh, well executed. I think that was with everything. Early house music was super minimal. Like there's so many of these things that start out very very minimal. And so I would just say randomly to the people that are out here making music. Uh, who are listening to this, like the young producers and stuff, like, yeah, you might want to be like the biggest sound designer and make the most maximal music. And if that's what influences you, make that, go ahead. But it's okay if you're still starting out. You don't have to be like the most next level sound design producer. Be okay with your skill set where it's at because the guys that made house initially were just like figuring out how to do it and they had like a minimal skill set. The people that do all of these genres, even the floss shit, we didn't know what we were doing. We were sampling like hard style records and like sound design didn't even matter. So I don't know. I just wanted to kind of give a little like heads up to those younger producers that might feel guilty. They're watching the tutorials on YouTube, not knowing how they run serum or whatever, like yeah. go find a cool sample and chop it up. And that's as simple as you need. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all about just doing what resonates with you and what you find interesting and cool. If, you know, if going down a YouTube wormhole and learning every inch of sound design is fun for you, then you should do as much of that as possible and become the expert at that. But if it's, you know, if it feels like pulling teeth and you're like, ah, this isn't fun, this isn't what I wanted out of this experience, there are other options. And, you know, a lot of those we still talk about to this day, you know, like it's, it's all equal value. It's just what you do with it. 
Shout out Willie for making my point more eloquent. <laughs> no, uh, no, you. I think you said it I like very it. well. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that'll be fun, man. That tour will be fun. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. That's it. And then also on the same tip of legacy and throwback. Uh, so I have a, another song with Little John kind of coming out too, which is kind of cool. It's uh, it's called I Don't Give a Fuck. Um, and it's it's cool. It feels like the old trap era. It feels just like old fun dance music. It's not super sound designing. It's not next level. It's a festival banger, but that's the the next single I'm putting out here soon. And yeah, that's kind of where floss is. It's like do do things that acknowledge the the past, but then also be like super forward thinking with all this AI stuff that I'm doing. And yeah, my goal is to have definitely by the end of the year uh, a form of AI music that's out there as well as a way that fans can actually generate AI versions of what Floss is. So you can actually go and create your own version of a Floss record through the AI tools that we're working with. So, oh, man, that's a fun idea. You get to have your hand in the process. It's funny, actually, I'm just thinking of this right now, which is weird, but a lot of times when you put music out to the, the world, uh, you know, the SoundCloud comments and things like that. There's so many people that are like talking shit. Of course, there's there's positive reviews. There's things like that. And I remember Kanye had a thing a while ago. He was like, if you can do it better, do it or something like that to the people that were uh, talking shit on his. Well, the cool thing is actually, I think with this AI tech and stuff, and hopefully with the stuff that I'm building right now is you might not like the single I put out, but the cool thing is with these AI tools, you can actually do it better. You don't have to spend your time sitting in the comments. You can actually use these tools, even if you don't know how to, know how to make music and make a better, quote unquote, better version that fits you and what you think the song should be, right. which is kind of cool. Yeah, 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 so, totally. Yeah, yeah remix, you know, it's just another form of remixing in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, you know, for any artist. I talk about this idea all the time on the podcast, but it's, you know, songwriting, sound design, tempo, style, all of that is fine. But what, at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters for me, for artists I fall in love with is like, I want to be able to see their perspective. I want like a point of view. I want to see through their eyes how they see the world or how they think music should sound, that kind of thing. For me, that at the end of the day, if I think about all the artists I love, that's really the unifying thing, you know, and I think that's what you're talking about. It's just like, it's a cool idea that, yeah, maybe anybody could do that now. When people are making music, they're almost translating what they understand music to be. And they're putting it out there in not necessarily words. If there's lyrics, there's words, but they're actually putting it out there in a way that's like, this is my interpretation of what I think is good, what I like they're expressing themselves from what they're influenced from. And yeah, they might be influenced with, from X, Y, and Z, but they're able to like take that, reinterpret it, and then put it out there and almost like give uh, give the world a version of what they their taste is, their experience is, which is kind of cool. And it's not done in the form of words because it, their experience is so psychedelic. It's so unique that you can't really put it into words for someone else to understand. You have to show like, yeah. through example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I wanted to maybe wrap up just by sort of quickly doing a couple like uh, there's just been a lot of changes lately in our world, like just little things. But I feel like some of them tie into some of these these ideas we've been talking about. So we don't have to like go deep on any of this, but I, I just wanted to throw a couple at you to see what you thought, you know, talking about uh different eras, different uh, mindsets, different perspectives throughout the years. I don't know if you do you see this uh, like pitchfork thing where so Tell me. pitchfork uh, this is about a week ago 
um, got acquired, well, not acquired, a long time ago, years ago, Pitchfork got acquired by Condé Nast, like the big magazine, uh, yeah. like super corporation. This was a while back. And now, about a week ago, um, they were put directly under GQ, which Condé Nast also owns. And in that, okay. most of the staff was laid off. So it's kind of like Pitchfork Fuck. got gutted. And uh, like Pooja, who I think, you know Pooja, right? Who was like, yeah, yeah, yeah from back in the day and yeah. was the editor-in-chief there. She got laid off and a whole bunch of people. No. And it's like... Pitchfork still exists currently, but it's we all know how this goes. Like it's kind of the the death knell, uh, which you know for what we do, man. Pitchfork's such a you know whether you feel everybody's got an opinion how they feel about Pitchfork, but it it was always there, you know. So I don't know. It was a crazy thing for me to see it go in the way of oh. a lot of other companies in this era. Dude, I'm it does it sucks to hear that, but. I, as, as much as this is a weird perspective on it, like everything in capitalism has that cycle. Like just go to Marshall's and you'll see what happens to companies that we, we used to love that influenced our culture. Yeah. Like Echo is at Marshall's now. Uh, but at one point that was like the shit I wore to drum and bass clubs. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> So Pitchfork is the echo. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm sorry. That's a weird comparison. I kind of love it, it though. <laughs> it's, it's the shady wear of the music industry. Um, because it speaks that that, that, that comparison. It is a joke, but it speaks to I think something where it's like Echo for a while was sort of like it was the brand that you, only a certain demographic wore. If you wore it, you were kind of in this secret little group, and you all yeah. kind of knew what it meant. But there was yes. no way Echo could survive in that form forever. Yeah. And I think that that's just kind of what happens in a weird way. It's as sad as it is. And, and I hate hearing people losing their jobs. And we can even touch on that a little bit. But it's it, there's like a it's just the evolution of things and culture like there like genres will come and go. Influences will come and go. Pitchfork had a huge influence on me on Chicago, on the music culture, like yeah. it, there's so much that that had, but I think even after Pitchfork became Hype Machine and then after Hype Machine became blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, there was all these things that were successors of that, that just keep going. So as uh, sad as this is, I just think that that's just what happens with capitalism and the people that started Pitchfork, I'm sure got to the point where they didn't have the passion that they had initially in it. And money seems better than the, like their scale of money to passion probably is like, well, I have a family. I have these things I'm going to sell to this company. And then when that gets sold to that company, that company doesn't value it as much as the person who started it yeah. because they don't have those roots in the trenches. And then they can just flip it and sell it to GQ and it just like goes from there. So yeah. It's just the evolution of how things are. Yeah, it is, man. I mean, so, yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> I, I try not to go into too many capitalism rants, but I certainly have some feelings about that too. But, uh, you know, I, I'm down to go if you want to. <laughs> let's, let's change. The, it's 2024. Let's change the energy of what back-to-back podcast is. It just go. becomes a, a communist podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm not that far away. From it. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think the other part of the pitchfork thing, this is the last thing I'll say about it, is that from knowing Pooja and knowing a few other people who have written there over the years, 
and seeing some of what people have written after these layoffs and all that, it was also kind of the last or one of the last places for like real in-depth music journalism. Like there's really mm-hmm. very few oh. left, you know? And obviously we Rolling all know- Stone's gone. Yeah, I mean, journalism's in trouble in general. In some ways I'm like, man, is this actually the end of like- <laughs> deep thinking, critical thinking in the way that we know it about music. It's a troubling idea. I'm sure, so. you know, there's there's Substack and there's Patreon. There's many other ways that, you know, writers and journalists can get their ideas out there. But at the same time, to me, it it is troubling because I'm like, whether you uh, whether you think, you know, music criticism as an art form, whatever you think the value of that art form is, it seems weird and maybe wrong to me that it wouldn't exist at all. You know, it could be getting there, man. Like it's deep journalism is getting replaced by deep fakes in a weird way. Like, and, and, and what I mean by that is just like, there's these algorithms are wanting Algorithms are pushing things to the top that are clickbait. They're like, I, I said Rolling Stone a minute ago, but Rolling Stone turned into that. It turned into the, like, it started out as music journalism that was like the biggest, like, uh, cultural influence for music journalism when it started to becoming this like clickbait, weird, I don't even know what it yeah. is now, but sometimes I'll like follow a link that takes me there. I'm like, what happened to Rolling Stone? Like, what? Um, but I think that that's what it is. And I, I, yeah, deep journalism to deep fakes. Like we're in this era where algorithms are creating this, like this stuff that I don't know if a lot of people want, I don't know if people want this like saccharine sugar version of what things are. I think they'll click on it. They'll like experience it to feel that dopamine high, but they don't even go past the headline. Like the, after all the 50 ads that come up, there's like some sort of body of the subject that no one even cares about. They just see the headline. And, and I feel sadly that's like what's happening with all of journalism because the news, the television news is trying to uh, keep up with that clickbait culture. And so they're going to do things that like stimulate that part of the human brain. And it's just this constant weird battle and it's sad, but I, I don't know what can bring that back, but there's always pendulum shifts in culture. So maybe what will happen is it will swing back fully and there will be like the, the vinyl res- revolution of journalism and I don't know yeah, I means, hope so, but. man. I think I think it's I guess if my if I'm putting my real opinion out, I think it's going to get worse before it can get any better. But and I will say all of those issues you just mentioned, I would blame capitalism for 100 percent of them as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. but it, it is it's just a weird. So, OK, so let's jump off of the pitchfork thing. This is the last thing I wanted to bring up to the sort of death of Pioneer. Did you see this where it's like turning into alpha theta now? Dude, which I don't know. I I haven't looked at the branding behind that, but I'm just like, I I heard all of this through the grapevine. I'm actually going to NAMM this week. Uh, I'm speaking, speaking at NAMM on some AI panels, but uh, I'm meeting up with the Serato boys and seeing what's up with that because what does this mean? I don't know. Like, I I don't know. Yeah. And my instinct is that it's not good for Serato, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. My, my optimistic outlook, which I don't know is I would hope me personally, fuck record box. It's a very, it's like the Android to the iPhone or whatever, but Serato's Serato's music organization is so much better. Personal opinion. 
I would love for there could be an option in Serata to export to a USB for um, for Rekordbox or to play in CDJs. I'm hoping optimistically when I saw the merger happen, whatever, three years ago or whatever it was when they initially merged, my optimistic outlook was like, oh my God, there's a way that this can happen. Right. Like there's, there can be all of the best of both worlds. I always think that way. Like I remember when, when Serato first came out, it was that same thinking. I was like, oh my God, all these scratch routines that I, I had to have all these random records for, I can do in one thing. Right. And then fast forward, Paris Hilton's a DJ. So like, <laughs> I don't, don't know what's going to happen yeah, yeah. to this merger because I came at it so optimistically, but I'm just like, oh, like the corporations, the capitalism, all of these things that we are hating on in this chat, I think are going to ruin this. They're going to Tommy Boy Biscuit, the fucking, what was built before yeah. then. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, Alpha Theta is the overarching company that now owns Pioneer, Serato, a bunch of other stuff as well. But did you see, I mean, they're actually, like there's not going to be Pioneer CDJs anymore. It's going to be Alpha Theta hardware or whatever you know they Dude. they haven't named it yet but it basically they're saying like all new equipment is going to be alpha theta equipment bro that's okay so that's what i heard when uh i'm looking i'm doing a sorry i'm not add looking no, it no, up no. during the chat but but i i heard this by so many people and they were like you know, like everyone's like making noise around it, but I haven't done the full in-depth look. So the boomer in me says, keep it the way it was. Like <laughs> yeah, it yeah. needs to have a Serato and a Pioneer logo. I've known only Pioneer my whole life. So the boomer in me wants me to like be upset at that. But as we talked about with all of this stuff, the kids and the tuk-tuks finding the, the music, there's going to be a generation behind us that their first CDJ is an Alpha Theta CDJ and Pioneer doesn't even matter to them. Yeah. And so for that... I'm excited to see what that brings. I'm just hoping that the technology gets improved and they find a way to find the best of both worlds and create whatever that is. Yeah, me, me too. No, and I had the same thought. Like, I don't really, the brand of Pioneer, to be honest, I don't care that much. Like, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, of course, I've been using it my whole career too, but yeah, I don't care if it changes names. That doesn't bother me. It's more about, you know, are they going to look out for the culture that's behind it? And I don't know, man, I guess we'll see. The fact that Serato is in the mix gives me a little hope like you because I know how much they care. And I know a lot of those guys personally and I see how hard they work and how much input they yeah, take man. from the community and all of that. But uh, capitalism, man, we'll see. <laughs> it's a strong force. <laughs> yeah, <for me. laughs> oh, yeah, it is, man. Money, money ruins everything, man, like in a, in a weird way. Yeah. Like I might have said this to you before, but... I was watching the, and this isn't fully true, but it's the way I, I viewed it when I was watching the Woodstock documentary about Woodstock 99 or whatever, the, the Limbiscuit one, uh, and about how that was so much more different than what they, at least the way it was portrayed in the documentary. I wasn't at the original uh, Woodstock. I'm sure there's problems there, but it seemed like it was peace and love and it's commune and you can eat my food, almost like a Burning Man type energy. And then when I went to Woodstock 99, it's like capitalism, like buy these expensive waters and it just got ruined. And it seems like that, the energy that the people that created it, again, from the documentary, I'm using my only views of that, is in the 99 one, they were like, oh, we have this amazing brand. Let's just capitalize on it and like just use the brand. But the passion that they had when they did the one back in the 60s wasn't the same as when they approached it in the 90s. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen with this as well. I hope that this Alpha Theta thing doesn't ruin the what the, all these other people had built the passion that they had built so yeah no 100 we'll percent. it's man. a good it's a good analogy it's the perfect analogy because yeah it's 
it's sort of people getting excited about a culture or a legacy for the wrong reasons or reasons they don't fully understand. And, uh, yep. I mean, that's what, you know, over and over we see that it's just sort of, it's, it's unavoidable in the, the system we live in. So yeah, I hope it doesn't happen either, man. Cause, but you know what, even if it does, here's what I'll say, even if it does as DJs, that would suck for us for a while, but to maybe wrap this up on a, on a more positive note, maybe that leaves the door open for something else to come in. Cause pie, it's been such a monopoly for so long and like you said, you know, I hate record box too. And I know a lot of people do, but it's just what you had to use. So if they screw this up, if they fumble it, then hopefully somebody else can come along and uh, fill the need for DJs because the need's still going to be there. That's, I think that's always what happens with, with culture in general. Like it, it, there's someone else comes in and tries to approach it with a different angle and I'm excited to see what that is too. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe they'll be the ones that do it. Maybe they'll, they won't fumble it, but there's always going to be like young up and coming people that can change that wave. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Well, dude, uh, I, I love you, man. I love talking to you. I feel like I should, I should wrap it up here unless we go for, you know, another four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, uh, what are you doing the rest of the day? What you got going on? I mean, I, I saved most of this for this. I have a call in an hour uh, via for the AI stuff. The funny thing is I was actually uh, in the middle of editing pieces of your podcast. I was going to do a vocal voice clone of you for this podcast and make you sing Hello by Adele. <laughs> um, so I was like starting to train the model today. And like, it was just hard to like edit up. I, I took pieces of your podcast to do it. And uh, it was just hard and hard to edit enough audio to have like 20 minutes of audio right. for the data set. <laughs> But I will do that eventually. You're going to get a, a I troll call. Wait. But the reason the reason I brought that up is not not using replay or anything, but eventually, and I think there actually are tools now where you can do that. You can edit your podcast like real time. You can change words with just text and stuff like that. So it's cool that you can do that with there's like tools out there to make it so Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's already I, I don't use them myself because I'm a little too much of a control freak, but there's tools where you can uh they'll go through and like take out breaths and take out silences to make the whole thing more compact. But uh yeah. you know, with some kind of like model behind it. Like it's not just a mechanical thing that it sounds great. Like you can't even tell people yeah. are using it. It's it's wild, man. Yeah, man, it's a, we're in a really cool era for a lot of this stuff. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's to come, dude. Me too, man. And you're you're behind some of it too. So that's uh, I don't know. I'm glad you are, man, because I feel like uh, I don't know. You've been behind some very cool and impactful movements in the scene thus far. Uh, Thank it, you, it's man. cool that you're still no. doing it and still excited about doing it, man. Yeah, man. I, my, my energy might not be into like making like the biggest, craziest drops and, and all of that. But like, it's that passion that I had for that is still here. The exact same. I I'm on my computer, the exact same amount of time I was back in 2012 doing the CDM trap shit. It's just maybe my skill set is being focused somewhere else. And yeah, I'm, that's, yeah, I love yeah. That. but it's still, cool. like, but still for the same culture, for the same, you know, general ideas, working with a lot of the same people, the same community. I mean, that's what it is, yeah. man. That's what longevity is. Like, it's, I don't know. We can never predict our path, but just trying to stay on it. You said this to me a long time ago. It's just like riding the waves of it all. That's the that's the whole secret. If there is a secret to success and to longevity, that's all it is. It's just like, try to stay up. Try to not get sucked under it. 
yeah, man, just, you gotta, you gotta float, man. There's a lot of waves. You gotta float. I don't know. That's, that's all I'm trying to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I'm so excited to see what you're going to do with, with all the new companies, all the AI stuff, and just with, with floss and, and in life and, and all that, man, you're always uh, a source, not only of friendship, but inspiration for me. And I, I really appreciate it. Dude, that feeling is neutral, man. Keep in text with me like we always do. I'm, I'm excited just to hear about you personally, too. We should tap in, even if it isn't now, like soon, yeah. tap in. And just, I want to check in with you. All right, man. Awesome. I'll let you get out of here, dude. But uh, yeah, I love you, man. It's great talking with you. Yeah, love you, brother. All right, man. See you soon. Take care. Peace. Bye.